0: He was my husband. We were married for 23 years. He had a relatively short life, but it was a very full 52 years. He said many, many times that our animals were our kids. And so I like to think he's smiling down at all those thousands of animals for whom he's making a real difference.
1: What? And how do you want the world to remember you after you're gone? And how can you continue to leave a mark long after you've left this earth? Well, today you are going to discover that, in fact, you can continue to make the world a better place, a healthier place for generations to come. On today's show, we are going to learn how to do just that and the impact that it can have. I'm going to be speaking with Allison Mahoney. And following the unexpected and sudden death of her husband, Greg, she became driven to carry on his name and to continue supporting the causes that were near to their hearts. The very causes that aligned with their mutual loves and compassion. Now Allison is here to share their love story. It's an unbreakable bond that began in perhaps the last place that you would think that the seeds for a lifetime of romance would be planted. It's funny to think that two people who met in such a way would go on to become devout vegans. But life is interesting like that. And Allison, she will be sharing how today she is carrying on that love and honoring Greg's memory through a foundation in his honor, the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund. And now, even if a foundation isn't in the works for you, today you will still be learning how you can carry on with your legacy and plan to continue to support your passions well into the future so that the values that you hold dear today can be propped up for many, many years to come. You're also going to be hearing from Kim Intino. She will be here to help guide us through the steps that it takes to plan ahead. You know, because doing this doesn't have to be a maze or require a mountain of paperwork that takes weeks and months to fill out. Kim will be here to show us how we can streamline that process, make it quick and efficient so that you can continue to support the message that eating a plant-based diet for the health of others, for the health of animals, and for the health of the planet is the way to go. And now before we go there, let's start with the love story here and the legacy of a man whose love of animals is being carried on to this day. I love Telling a good story on the exam room podcast. If you have listened to this show for any length of time, you know that the best episodes are the ones that feature just these incredible stories. And today we are going to tell one of those stories and we're going to tell it from a very poignant point of view, from the point of view of a woman who is not only a huge supporter of the Physicians Committee and this show, but the point of, of view from a woman who is Really wondering about legacy. And she is ensuring that her late husband's legacy is continuing the good work that they began when he was still with us. And with that, we welcome Allison Mahoney to the exam room. Allison, thank you so very much for being here.
0: Thank you, Chuck. And may I just say, as a sponsor of the show, it's really cool to be on the other side of the camera and the other side of the mic today.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's long overdue, you know, for you to be here so often, you know, we have mentioned the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund on the show. And I know that you're very active in, in the chat room during the exam room live. You're one of the exam roomies who tune in every day. Um, so it is really, you know, just it's really nice to actually have you as a guest on this show long overdue. So thank you for making the time. Oh. <laughs> are you Are you ready to do a little storytelling? I am. So you have just an incredible, an incredible love story that I think I would love to share. You and your late husband, Greg, were just so passionate about animals. And I would love to just kind of start from the beginning. You know, we've heard about the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund, but really, who was Greg? Who was he? Shed some light on this man for us.
0: Sure. So... He was my husband, we were married for 23 years, um, he had a relatively short life, just 52 years, but it was a very full 52 years. Um, and he was, he was always a, a kind of a driven guy, uh, he was in the finance industry where you have to be, uh, but he had another side, which is that he was always looking for opportunities to be helpful to people. And I think this started when he was a kid. Um, He was raised in San Diego, California, by an immigrant mom um, who had come from Taiwan uh, with a Navy guy. And then uh, that guy, Greg's dad, left pretty early on. And so um, his mom really struggled to to, uh, keep the family together. And when Greg was just six years old, he stepped in and uh, realized his mom couldn't handle the family finances. So he started balancing the cha- family checkbook. And that really set a pattern for the rest of his life, both his drive to lift his little family out of poverty and uh, the satisfaction that he got from being helpful.
1: Six years old, already balancing the family <laughs> checkbook. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, Greg is an exceptionally, was an exceptionally <laughs> smart kind of guy, right?
0: Obviously, I thought so. I was biased.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when did you two come into each other's lives?
0: Yeah, thank you for asking that question. So we had both gone to grad school at the University of California, Berkeley, and we had gone out to New York City to start our careers. And we were members of our Alumni Association's New York chapter And one night they held an historic tour of Greenwich Village Taverns, and we both joined that tour. (laughs) And we met at maybe the third or fourth stop on the tour. And guess what, we were pretty inebriated when we met. Um, But it was love at first sight. (laughs) And we started seeing each other the next day and the next and the next. And we realized that those drunken instincts were actually pretty right. And so um, we were engaged a short eight weeks after we met each other and we uh, moved back to California. And um, so we had met on October 24th, 1991. We never forgot that exact date. And we decided that it would be symbolic to hold our wedding on the first anniversary. And then we were married on October 24th, 1992. Dag on when it's
1: right, it's right.
0: And you know, even
1: if you do meet on a tavern tour, you're the exception, <laughs> not the rule. This is just fantastic. I, I told you at the top, this was going to be a great story. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming, though, Allison, that on this tavern tour, when you, you first met in New York, there weren't a whole lot of animals. I mean, there may have been party animals, but not necessarily <laughs> the type of animals that we are concerned with here at the Physicians Committee. So when did the y'all's passion for animals develop? How did that come about?
0: Right. Thank you. So um, we had both had cats and dogs from time to time growing up. And we adopted our first cat just a few weeks after our wedding. Um, But that's not terribly unusual for new couples, right? Um, But I think what was a little more unusual was that pretty early in our marriage, uh, animals became the central focus of our personal time. And we adopted during the course of our marriage, uh, 17 animals. This was important to me. I counted exactly. Um, and, uh, not only was that a fairly large number of animals, but we took in a lot of difficult cases, animals who had nowhere else to go, um, senior animals, animals who had been found on the street and animals with, uh, extreme behavior issues. So I think that was a little, a little bit different. And then in the final two years of Greg's life decided that we were going to expand from cats and dogs to also rescuing horses, like the the horses you see in the background here. Um, And uh, we didn't have any experience with horses. So it was quite a leap of faith. Um, And I probably wouldn't have done it on my own, but um, he never shrank from a challenge. And it worked out. And I'm I'm proud that this is something I've continued um, since his passing.
1: Absolutely. That's fantastic. And those are your horses in the, in the background. I'm, I, what just beautiful shots. Um, I, I wonder if Greg's, you know, getting that drive at, at such a young age, taking care of the family, balancing those checkbooks at six years old, you know, helped him, you know, build this great, big, huge, compassionate heart. And that's part of the reason why he was driven. And the two of you then became driven to help animals
0: yeah and and it went beyond um our own animals pretty early on um in the the 90s when we began with cats and dogs um pretty early on we also started supporting the rescue groups that our our animals came from and then um we had this sort of epiphany in in the year 2000 i'll never forget this We were both working in San Francisco, and uh, one weekend we learned about a sanctuary for farmed animals just outside the city. And we went to take a tour of that, and uh, we met chickens for the first time. And uh, that uh, meeting those chickens and Uh, getting all the information that the tour guide provided uh, really opened our eyes both to, you know, the individual personalities of all animals and all the the systemic issues with um, industries that use animals for food and and other purposes. And so um, from that point, we also began supporting organizations that were working more broadly for animals of all species and working for systemic change uh, to make the world a better place for animals. Uh,
1: Before we move on, I'm curious, can you tell me a little bit about the personalities of chickens? I'm, I'm not familiar. I've not had much of an encounter with chickens yet and you have absolutely piqued my interest.
0: So I remember in particular one hen named Alina and um, she was in a, a, she had a, she was in a coop with a bunch of other animals but then they had a larger fenced area where they could walk around during the day and when human visitors came to see them Alina was the little ambassador. She would come to the entrance to this fenced area to greet the visitors and then lead them to the coop where all the other uh, hens were. And she loved to be held. She would make this sort of purring noise. And then when it was time to leave, she would follow the human visitors back to the gate to sort of, uh, you know, bid them farewell. I never forgot that.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. So you're developing all of these relationships with these animals. You're discovering all of these personalities. When did the two of you then decide to go vegan? I'm assuming that everything that you're learning and experiencing all kind of played into that.
0: Yeah. So um, we went vegan in stages. Um, And the first stage was actually in the summer of 1992, when we were in process of planning our wedding and we were driving up California Interstate 5 from Los Angeles to the San Francisco area. And there was this mega steakhouse on the interstate that was a popular place for uh, tourists to to, uh, have lunch along the road. And um, while apparently all the other tourists were just focused focused on their juicy steak, all we could focus on was this feedlot that was right adjacent to the steakhouse. And in this feedlot were hundreds, maybe thousands of really sad looking cows. And they smelled even sadder than they looked. Um, So we couldn't figure out how anyone could think a steak would be appetizing after seeing that. Um, But apparently we were in the minority. And the night after we passed that steakhouse and feedlot, um, Greg had this dream. And in it was this sort of cow-like creature saying, how can you eat me? (laughs) And he told me about this dream. And that day we decided not eating beef ever again. And by the way, we're not eating any mammal meat either. And that went on for about eight years that we didn't eat mammal meat, but we still ate chicken and fish, etc. But then coming back to that same sanctuary for farmed animals, that was when we decided no more eating the flesh of any animal. Still, we weren't quite vegan, Um, But once we went vegetarian, we met lots of vegans. And we started asking questions about, you know, what's wrong with dairy and what's wrong with eggs. And over time, we came to learn that, you know, cruelties inflicted on egg-laying hens and dairy cows may, in fact, be even worse than uh, what uh, animals raised for meat experience and so um, finally, by 2009, we decided we're going completely vegan, not eating anything that comes from an animal, not wearing anything that comes from an animal, no furniture, you know, no, no uh, vehicle upholstery, nothing that comes from an animal. So it kind of went like that for us. And we never look back. <laughs> You know, and, and Greg just, he strikes
1: me as, as such an interesting guy, you know, being so driven in in the finance world, which I've never been a part of it, but I think that the the lay perception is it can be very, um, I, I don't want to use the term aggressive, but maybe, you know, aggressive, competitive, um, something like that. But then we hear you tell these stories and and about the dream and it's like, he's got this huge compassionate heart. I, I mean, he he was a very well-rounded individual.
0: He was, he was. I was really proud of him, still am. Um, and I think, you know, yes, he was he was perceived as kind of an oddball in his professional circle. Um, but he had this way of being sort of a pleasant eccentric. And, um, you know, people were attracted to him because he was, he was super smart, but also kind of goofy and silly. And um, that manner, I think, um, really moved hearts and minds in a way that kind of a, you know, a more lectury approach uh, wouldn't. And so, I feel like, you know, he really had a profound impact on a lot of people he came to know in his profession. And, um, you know, after after his death, um, I set up the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund uh, in his honor to go on supporting all the causes that he and I had supported together during his lifetime for animals. And I was really gratified to see the number of people from his profession who really probably hadn't otherwise been inclined to care about animals, but who did give to the fund. And by the way, many of them do still contribute to the fund, even to this day.
1: Isn't that so interesting? I think it was uh, Shakespeare that, that wrote, To Thine Own Self Be True. And I think that there's something about authenticity that we as humans just recognize and we gravitate toward because so often we feel the the need to put on airs or wear these masks. But if you're someone like Greg and you are just living your true life every single day, people are going to recognize that even if you are perceived as being that oddball. But you know what? That oddball, he's got something that not a lot of people do. Right, right, right.
0: And he was good at what he did. So, so that helped as well. <laughs> oh, well, Naturally.
1: <laughs> um, I'm curious. So before his passing, did the two of you get the opportunity to talk about what it is that you may want to do upon your passing? Had you put any plans in place?
0: Right. Well, you know, because he died in an accident, um, we didn't really have the opportunity for those deep discussions that, that some people do. Um, But um, we, you know, if you talk about legacy planning, um, sure, we had from time to time talked about, you know, we should probably do a will. But I think for, you know, quite a few years, we were one of those couples who said, yeah, yeah, but gee, how do we get started? And then we put it on the back burner. But um, one day, um, one of the major animal rescue groups here in the Washington DC area, held a workshop um, with an estate planning attorney who happened to focus on pet trusts. And Greg went to that workshop, and he liked what he heard. And so shortly thereafter, we decided to hire her to be our attorney And we worked with her to prepare our first will and our first full legacy plan. And I remember it distinctly. It was in um, October of 2011 when we we did that first plan. And um, basically, we had three goals. Um, We wanted to provide for our human family, like pretty much everyone does, right? Um, But our families were pretty small. um, So that was relatively easy in our case. Um, But then there came our companion animals, and initially we had our cats and dogs, and then at the end we had our our horses too. Um, And so uh, we spent a lot of time figuring out how to plan for them. And then last but not least, uh, we wanted to leave resources for organizations like PCRM. Uh, All of the organizations focused on different aspects of advocating for animals that we were already supporting with our annual giving
1: you know what? I think that there may be some people listening right now or watching this and they're probably saying, you know, so f- they they were able to figure this out, but it, just, it still seems like this overwhelming, complicated process. And as you said, I don't know where to begin. So <laughs> how difficult really was that process for you to begin to get your plans in order?
0: So I, I like to think of it like this. Um, you know, you can... Imagine a scenario where you haven't done any kind of a will or any kind of a legacy plan. Um, And, you know, in that scenario, um, you know, speaking to your listeners and viewers out there, what's going to happen to your family? How difficult are you going to make it for them? And if you have companion animals, you know, who's going to take care of them? Um, You know, your resources are going to get held up in court maybe for years um, they 're going to get whittled away, and in the end, they probably won 't go where you want them to go you know but then think about the other scenario where you 've taken the time to do that legacy plan, and then your your loved ones are provided for, whether they be human or or animal. And, you know, your resources are freed up in a matter of weeks or, or months rather than years. And those resources are pretty much where they were when, you know, at the time of your passing. So when you think about those two scenarios, uh, any stress involved in in working on the legacy plan is so well worth it.
1: Well, okay. I, I love that. And and here's a big question uh, for you. Uh, the the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund was the very first sponsor of the Exam Room Podcast, and I've always wondered what is it about the Physicians Committee that makes you know piqued your interest. Why? Why did you find it important for the Physicians Committee to get your support?
0: So uh, we began supporting PCRM together in 2010. Um, and that was a big year for us where uh, we were, you know, we had both advanced in our careers to a point where we could begin making significant contributions to a number of organizations that, that we thought were doing great work. Um, and um, although we supported and I still support a number of animal advocacy organizations, it really struck us early on that PCRM has a special niche in that it ties together in one neat package um, a better world for animals, a better world for our environment, and better health for individual humans. And we got to see a very specific personal example of this very early on, because in about 2012, um, Greg's very closest colleague was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, and he thought he only had a few months to live. And this was a guy, you know, quintessential finance guy um, who didn't really care about animals at all, um, but he had a very strong instinct for self-preservation, shall I say. And so as soon as he got that diagnosis, he started doing his research and he learned about plant-based diets. And as part of his treatment plan, he insisted that he, um, although he never went completely vegan, he insisted on a primarily plant-based diet, and he did go into remission, and now eight years later, he is still alive and well and cancer-free. So that really hit home for us, the importance of bringing human health into the discussion of what's best for animals and the environment, too, in going plant-based
1: Holy cow. I was not expecting that turn in this conversation. What a story that is, man. Congratulations to to that gentleman. That is fantastic. Um, I, I got to ask, as long as you're here too, how did you first hear about the exam room? And why, why specifically did you want to uh, help us out with the podcast?
0: Right. So, you know, I am. Today, I am really proud that I was one of your early sponsors. I feel like a proud parent here, you know, because (laughs) you should be. (laughs) I started sponsoring you when you were a once a week podcast, and now you're, I guess, a twice a week podcast plus the daily Monday through Friday Facebook live broadcast, right?
1: Yeah, we're staying busy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so, you know, I've talked about, you know, the guy that Greg was, right? And, um, you know, he went around the world traveling for his work. And he always looked for opportunities to squeeze into a discussion some some mention of veganism and the reason for his personally being vegan. And now that he's no longer here on this earth to do that, there's this great gap. And I'm always looking for ways to fill that gap. And uh, your program is so perfect for this. Um, You know, you have that international reach. And, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, plant-based diets. And you talk about, you know, getting animals off the plates and out of labs and out of medical training in a way that, you know, it's really hard for anyone to disagree with. And, you know, in this, this time of the pandemic in particular, when so many people are just to the point where they want to turn off the news altogether, you know, you, your programming to me is just, it's real uh, and yet it's very hopeful and that's a really difficult balancing act and I, I, I just think it's wonderful what you're doing. And I'm well,
1: really thank you, you. Th- <laughs> th- thank you uh you you are someone who gets it I mean that's we'd like to have fun we definitely don't like to put on airs or wear masks you know we we kind of have adopted the Greg philosophy and you know be yourself and be authentic and get that good information out there so thank you so very much. that is a huge compliment um. And you mentioned the pandemic and there's just so much stress that goes with it. And I think for a lot of people also, when it comes to legacy giving and getting those types of plans in place, that can also be a very stressful thing. So how does it feel for you knowing that you have these plans already in place?
0: Um, You know, it gets back to me um, to, you know, envisioning the future for my animals I know that uh, when I'm no longer here, you know, I have resources set aside so that my animals will be well cared for, that people I trust uh, can step in and and give them the care that they need. Um, I know that my human family members will receive the resources I want them to receive, And I know that organizations like PCRM and some others that are doing great work for animals will have some left over so that they can go on doing great things for for animals when I'm no longer here. Well, let's
1: let's talk about those great things. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about some of the successes that have come about because of your support.
0: Thank you for asking that question. So, um, if I may, I'd like to start with um, a personal response to that. Um, that I think because of the legacy planning that Greg and I did together, um, I've been able to go on caring for the animals that we had at the time of his death and to continue adopting new rescued animals. So altogether in my life, I've rescued 21 individual animals, cats, dogs, and horses, Then, um, beyond that, some of the the resources that I've been able to to give um, have gone to organizations that are rescuing animals in the thousands, Um, so that ranges from backyard dogs being freed from chains. Animals on farms, cows, pigs, sheep, goats that have been rescued and brought to sanctuary or monkeys in government labs that have been taken out and and brought to primate sanctuaries. So there's that level. But then last but not least is the level of systemic change for animals. And that's where organizations like PCRM come in. Um, And I think the best example of this is when uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in September 2019 announced with a PCRM representative at the table that by 2035, they were going to phase out all mammal testing. Um, And I know PCRM had been working for this for years. Um, Two other organizations I've also supported have been working on this for a long time. And of course, I was one of many who uh, contributed to this initiative, Um, but it's a really profound initiative that will save 100,000 animals a year, according to estimates. And so it's just immensely gratifying to be able to do that with Greg's legacy.
1: And and I see you smiling as you talk about that. And I got to think, you know, Greg is probably looking down somewhere and saying, man, I'm feeling pretty good about everything that this is, you know, (laughs) that that is happening as well. He's got to be happy, right? You would think he would be happy with all of this, right?
0: (laughs) I I do think so. And, you know, we didn't have human children. So he said many, many times during our lives together that um, our animals were our kids and so I like to think he's smiling down at all those thousands of animals, uh, you know, for whom he's making a real difference.
1: Yeah, you know, my my wife and I are are the same way. Uh human <laughs> kids probably aren't in the cards, but uh well, my, my kid is sleeping under <laughs> a blanket right there and he's snoring. So if if you hear a little Rudy, you know, start, you know, you know, that it's all good. Um, final question. And and this is for those who say, Well, you know, I I want to do what Allison has done. I I want to make sure that plans are in place. I want to be like Allison. I want to be like Greg. What advice do you have for others who want to create this plan now so that their legacy can be intact? What advice do you have for them?
0: If I may, um, I have three thoughts on that subject. Um, The first is, you know, even before you talk to an attorney, there are some little things you can do. And I would say, you know, when you finish listening to this podcast or watching um, the video today, go and do these things right now. Um, And that the first thing you can do um, is to look at any of your resources that have a beneficiary attached, where all you have to do is fill out a simple form and maybe have a witness, maybe a notary, but uh, an attorney isn't even required. Um, And an example of that in the United States would be a retirement plan uh, like an IRA or a 401k. So look at your beneficiary. And if you haven't updated it in the last five or six years or ever, uh, do that right now. Um, then, um, you know, I've read some surveys that say something like a third of Americans think that they don't have enough resources to do a legacy plan. And, um, you know, granted, in this year, this is not a year that people feel especially wealthy. But even if you have a checking account and a savings account, you probably have enough resources to do some sort of a simple legacy plan, at least. And finally, um, from what I've read, the very biggest reason that most people don't do a will or any type of legacy plan is that they say they just haven't gotten around to it. And, you know, listen to my story. My husband was a healthy, active vegan, barely sick a day in his life, and yet an accident happened, you know? So, you know, I'm a living example that, uh, you know, you have to do these things today because none of us are promised tomorrow. Mm. Allison, uh, thank you so
1: much for coming on today and, and sharing your story and telling us a little bit about who Greg was. You know, I, I learned so much today. And, and so it's it's so nice to get the backstory as to who Gregory J. Ryder actually was, you know. So now every time that I get the opportunity to talk about his fund on the show, you know, I'm going to smile a little bit more. I'm going to feel that connection a little bit more. I think everybody who's listening now feels like they made a friend today and Greg and, and and with you as well. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on today and for all of your support of the Physicians Committee and the Exam Room. So thank you so very much.
0: Thank you Chuck. It's been a real honor.
1: What a great love story. Allison and Greg. You know, he really was one of a kind. A man whose competitive drive and business was equaled by his compassion for animals. And it is Greg's compassion that is continuing the work that he began in his life. It continues to this day. Because in a sense, what Allison has done is turned Greg's lifetime of work into many lifetimes of good work of healthy work, work to make the world a better place. That is Greg's legacy. And so now I ask you, what will your legacy be? What's important to you? What values do you hold close to your heart? And what would you like to continue to support when you are no longer here? Think about that one for a moment. And now let's talk about how we can ensure your legacy. You know, for a lot of us, it can be puzzling. It can be a mystery and honestly, perhaps even uncomfortable to think about initially. Because we all know that our time here is temporary. But putting that on paper makes mortality a reality. Here's the thing, though, planning for your passing can also in some ways make you immortal. That is the legacy part, ensuring that your name and your values will live on. You can let that thought be comfort for you if this is uneasy and then for. Everyone, regardless of whether or not those feelings are there, doing this whole thing, planning for this, can be a mystery. How do we do it? How does one put these plans into place? How does one put pen to paper to make it a reality? The whole thing about bequeathments, that can be a big puzzle with lots of pieces. But the puzzle doesn't have to take weeks or months to put together either. And of course, there's also the question of, do I even have enough to have a legacy to do any good? Should I even bother with this? Well, the answer to that question is yes. Kim Intino is in charge of what we call legacy giving here at the Physicians Committee. And what she says is that you don't need a million dollars or even a hundred thousand dollars or a house or $10,000. You can plan ahead with what it is that you have. She and I had the opportunity to talk about ways to ensure that everyone can continue to support the importance of a plant-based diet and getting animals out of labs and off of dinner plates. So right now, what she and I are going to do is demystify how we can set all of this up. Continuing our discussion about legacy giving here on the exam room podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. We just heard the wonderful story of Greg Ryder and Allison Mahoney and how Allison is honoring Greg's legacy by continuing to support his passion and his love for animals after his own passing and all the good work that's coming out of that. And so now to continue the discussion, because a lot of people are probably saying, well, I do, I want to do exactly that. Well, how do I do it? I want to welcome our director of legacy giving here at the Physicians Committee, Kim Tino. Kim, thank you so very much for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me and uh, and having the uh, podcast be on this important issue.
1: How great was Allison's story? Isn't that incredible?
2: It was just, you know, I I have heard it before. I've talked with Allison before, but the way that it that she just came out with so much emotion and so much really pointed information was just fabulous.
1: Ah, I I'd love it so much, and uh, I mean, just you know, I've I've talked about this on the show before, you know getting my start in media, doing a love song show, I just, that portion of their story really stands out to me. The fact that, you know, when you know it's right, it's right. And so that love, you can really tell is it's, it's there to this day and it never goes away. And I think that it's that love that is also driving Allison to continue to honor Greg's legacy in the way that she has. So I'm really excited now because there are so many great love stories out there and so many people who want to continue to honor their loved one's legacies or make sure that their own legacy is set up in place. So let's talk about first specific for the Physicians Committee, how important are these legacy gifts?
2: They are incredibly important because approximately 15 to 25% of physicians committees budget every year, the income comes from people's estate plans and their bequests 15 to 25% of our income every year comes from that.
1: Wow. I had no idea it was that much. I always thought it was just the donate button on our, (laughs) on our website to be honest with you.
2: No. And you know, as a matter of fact, a bequest that someone leaves their legacy is often the largest gift that they ever make in their lifetime.
1: Wow, I did. I did not know 15. Wow. Okay, so we are talking something that is of the utmost importance here. So um, let's talk about maybe the different kinds of legacy gifts that our members tend to make. I didn't realize until we started talking about doing this episode that there were multiple kinds of legacy gifts. So what what are the various kinds here?
2: There definitely are, and as Allison mentioned briefly, some of our members choose to do a charitable gift annuity. Other members will name the Physicians Committee as a beneficiary, either on their IRA, their 401k, or even their life insurance policies. And some just, you know, say that it's, it's the will that I want to do. In fact, the, the majority choice of our members is to leave a bequest in their will, for the physician's committee, and those bequests can be anything from cash you know, straight up cash bequests to things like jewelry, real estate, rare coins, artwork you name it, and it all makes a difference.
1: Ah, I, I didn't realize that there was such a wide array of gift giving. Uh, that's that's actually very fascinating to me. Um Is it easy for someone to actually update their will though and include the physician's committee on there? Or is this kind of a a long, tedious, drawn out kind of a process that'll make you pull your hair out?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, there does need to be some thought and planning. It isn't as challenging as people think. In fact, it can be quite simple to do and quite liberating once you've, once you've had it done and actually, um, The Physicians Committee has a little cheat sheet uh, of five simple steps that people can do right now, starting today, to get started in in planning their legacy. And that first step is just get organized. You know, find all of your legal and financial documents that are around the house that that represent the assets that you have and the bank accounts and, and just anything like that and just get it all together. And then the next step, Prioritize. Think about what's important to you. Who you know is the person that you want to provide funds for. What what fuzzy all of your fuzzy animals? I'm sure you want to take care of. And, and what are the charities and the organizations that really get your blood pumping and that you want to support? Take some time to think about that and, and to and to get that in order for yourself. Um, the next step is think of a person that you trust who could serve as the executor of your, of your will, or the, you know, the one who's going to make sure that everything gets done. And then think of another person, because sometimes the first person you might choose uh, is not able to do it or, or willing to do it. And so you just want to have a backup plan there. And of course, uh, also, as Allison mentioned, really, we, we do suggest that people hire an attorney. And guess what? That does not have to be complicated or expensive. It can be quite reasonably priced depending on the type of will that you want to do. And there are a ton of resources out there. Physicians committee can point you in the right direction of of, uh, estate planning attorneys who would be wonderful at helping. And the fifth step, in case you were counting, is you know how we say, maybe people know that in the world of real estate, you say location, location, location. Well, when it comes to your legacy plans, update, update, update. So anytime a life event changes every couple years, you'll want to look at that document and just make sure that it still reflects your values and your wishes and your hopes and dreams.
1: Ah, your values, your wishes, your hopes and dreams. I mean, that really, that's what life is all about, isn't it? Values, <laughs> hopes, dreams. Um, so I know that coming up here and uh, not too terribly distant future, uh, you're actually putting on a webinar that's really going to help put a bow on this and put all of the pieces together. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what it is that's happening on October 29th.
2: We are so excited about this here at the Physicians Committee, and I invite all of our podcast listeners, our members, everybody out there who can hear this or view this to join us. Uh, On October 29th, it will be a Zoom webinar, and it starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time. The webinar will feature a uh, Physicians Committee member, Alexandra Overhoff. She is an estate planning attorney and myself. And we're going to be walking you through the steps to create your amazing legacy. The way that you can register for this is head on over to pcrm.org events and look for the webinar and register for it. It's free, in case I didn't mention that. And if by chance you register, but you can't attend, and please be sure to register, you, uh, we are recording it and we will email it to you. I will personally email it to you after, after it's done. So we're going to have so much information that I think will make people really jazzed and excited to, to get moving on this very, very important life, life event.
1: Let me ask you this, you know, we, we heard Allison mention that a lot of people probably think, well, I don't have enough to set up a a, a legacy donation. What can you say to that type of belief? You know, is there such a thing as not enough or how does this process work if somebody isn't, you know, rolling millionaire deep?
2: I'm so glad that you asked that because it does come up all the time and and then i was thinking about it as i mentioned things like real estate and jewelry and coins <laughs> and sure you know of course those are wonderful but you don't have to have all of that to make a difference you know when you look at the 15 to 25% of our income that's made up of people's bequests that's everything from a few thousand dollars in their account to to you know one ring that was their grandmother's whatever it is And it's more about, think about the bigger impact that any gift can have years later. As Allison mentioned, contributions to Physicians Committee lead to major decisions from the EPA down the road. And the good news is everybody who leaves a legacy can have a little bit of that victory be a part of their legacy.
1: And with that in mind, what final tips do you have for somebody who's considering joining us on October 29th and really wants to get going with legacy planning?
2: Plan early, start today, and update often for sure. And we also, the Physicians Committee has a section of our website that is dedicated specifically to legacy planning. It is pcrm.planyourlegacy.org. So visit that and check it out. A ton of information at your fingertips there. But this is my favorite, favorite tip. Please email me or give me a call. You can find my information on the website. I believe Chuck may be sharing that information after as well. I will email you your own very private, personal, special copy of the five simple steps. And I'd be happy to talk with you about your plans, your hopes, your dreams, the things that are getting in your way, how can we remove those obstacles and help you create your legacy?
1: Outstanding. And we'll go ahead and we will drop your email address and, and all applicable URLs in the episode notes. So if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or whatever service, just scroll right on down and boom, one click away, it'll take you right there. You can fire off that email or visit the website. Kim and Tino, thank you so very much. This has been fantastic.
2: Thank you, Chuck, for, uh, for letting this episode happen. And thank you so much, Allison, for all your support to the Physicians Committee and for sharing your amazing legacy story.
1: And indeed, you can find Kim's email and a link to register for the event in the episode notes. It's so important that we do take this time to do what it takes to make our wishes into a reality when it comes to our legacy. And the good news is that Kim seems like she's ready to make that really easy on us. There's never been a better time to do this. And here's the other thing that bears repeating. You do not have to be a millionaire or have a mansion to leave behind. Your legacy can be built upon what you are able to give. And every bit that you can give does in fact go a long way toward helping us get animals off of plates and making the world a healthier place for all creatures, great and small. And helping out with that what a legacy that would be. So I know that today's show was a little bit different than our usual episodes. And I want to thank you for indulging us and learning with us. And honestly, before we recorded this show, I didn't know the first thing about any of this. It was one big mystery. And now here we are and my wife and I are getting ready to sit down together and figuring out what plans we want to make. How can we make them happen? And how we can continue to make the world a better place for generations. It is about more than just passing down money or heirlooms. It's about passing down the planet, a healthier planet, And doing so by supporting the causes that are important to you, just like the tireless work being done every day at the Physicians Committee. Let me tell you, based off of emails that we have received from listeners, this life changing and life saving information that we talk about on the podcast every week is making a difference. We've heard from so many people who have lost an extraordinary amount of weight and been able to transform their health in ways they never thought were possible by adopting a plant-based diet. And because everything is so interconnected, not only did their health improve, but so too did the health of the planet and certainly the health of animals. Speaking of which, I can also tell you that thousands and thousands of animals are being spared from unnecessary testing and labs because of the work that we have done here at the Physicians Committee, and thousands more will never find their way onto a dinner plate either. There is no question that our work here is making a difference, and your legacy just like Greg Ryders, can be a big part of that. So please help us and start to plan with Kim so that you can continue to make that difference. Leave that legacy, make an impact for many, many years to come. I want to say thank you once again to Allison Mahoney for her support of the exam room and for sharing such a heartwarming story with us on the show today. And also to Kim and Tino for joining us and taking the mystery out of this entire process. I really do hope that you register to join her at that seminar. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based.